Welcome to the West Point Sermon Podcast. This is your place for audio for past and future messages. Video versions of this podcast are available at the link in the podcast description. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new sermons are posted. Thanks so much for listening. This is a joke on pastors, okay? So those are the best ones, right? If you can't make fun of yourself a little bit, you don't have a good attitude. Okay. The elderly pastor was searching his closet uh, for his collar before church one Sunday morning. That's not an issue I have. I dress casually. But um, in the back of his closet, he found a small box containing three eggs and $101 bills. So he went and found his wife and asked her about the box and its contents. Embarrassed, she admitted to having hidden the box there for their entire 45 years of marriage. Disappointed and hurt, the pastor asked, but why? The wife, well, the wife replied that she hadn't want to hurt, wanted to hurt his feelings. He asked her how the box could have hurt his feelings. She said that every time during their marriage that he, he had delivered a poor sermon, she had placed an egg in the box. Well, the pastor felt that three poor sermons in 45 years was certainly nothing to feel bad about. So he asked her what the $100 was for. She replied, well, each time I got to a dozen eggs, I sold them to the neighbor for a dollar. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. That's cold. <laughs> oh, well, this morning we are continuing this series called Rethink Church, and we're actually wrapping it up this week. We're talking about our third core value, and I am so excited to preach this morning. Um, yeah, I woke up this morning, started going over my notes, and just God just began dropping some, some new and fresh stuff in there, and, and so I am really excited to preach this morning. And we're talking about our core values throughout this series. The first one was relationship with God. And we talked about the fact that that is the foundation for everything else we do. If we don't have that, we don't have anything. And so everything begins with that relationship with God. It ignites everything else. But then we're not only designed to be in relationship with God. We're designed to have community with each other and to fellowship with each other. And so that was that next step in the journey, that community, that fellowship with one another and how we need one another and how we support and build and challenge and encourage one another. Well, this week we're talking about mission. We're talking about mission. And I believe that mission is greater than duty. That that there's something significant about the mission that God has given to us. And it's more than just obligation. Last week, we talked about serving in the church and, and how that's important. And how in some ways, like when, when you belong to a house, you have responsibilities in that house. Our kids have chores in our house. And so there are things that, that we do that are basically our obligation or our duty and and maybe you serve in some way and you're part of that because this is your church home and this is your family and you want to invest in it but above and beyond that I believe that God has given us a mission that's bigger than serving in our little church community right here he's given us this mission known as the great commission and it's bigger than than um just what happens right here inside these four walls God has called us as Christians to make disciples of the world. Now that is a big responsibility and it's a big task. And the only way we reach that goal is if we do it together. And that's why it's one of the core values of our church. Because 
Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that's a much bigger responsibility than getting someone to pray a prayer or raise a hand or acknowledge that they believe in Jesus. Making disciples is a process, and it involves the church working together in that process to accomplish our mission and our goal. Now, you might say, but, but Paul, the, the, the Ephesians says that the purpose of the church is to equip the saints. And yes, it is to equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry. The work that God has called us to is the Great Commission. The work that he assigned us to is to make disciples. And if we're not involved in that process, then we're not fulfilling our place in the church. Now, I'm not here to beat you up this morning that for your past failures and the people in your lives that aren't Christians yet. And how, how come they aren't? You haven't done your job yet. That's not the point of this message at all. There's no shame. There's no condemnation in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There's only hope that those people in your life that don't know Christ yet, that they someday will come to believe. Right? That's, that's our motivation. That's our drive. That's why we do what we do. A few years back, um, there was a guest speaker that came to the church that I was at at the time, and uh, he challenged us to share our faith with someone for every day for a week. Now, you might think, well, that's not a big deal for you. You're a pastor. But I'll be honest, that was a big deal for me, okay? Seven consecutive days of sharing my faith with someone, you have to be pretty intentional to do that. And uh, you know, what motivated me was the fact that he does this every single day of his life. He will not let a day go by without sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone. So I was challenged. I was excited about it. And there were a few people in my life right away that I had in mind. Um, one was a guy that had just come to church once but wasn't ready to, to surrender his life yet. And so on Monday morning, I, I gave him a call and just talked to him a little bit and talked to him about faith. Um, it, he ended up giving his heart to the Lord, but not for months later. Um, another person uh, that I had in mind, uh, actually that I didn't have in mind, on Tuesday, I was in meetings all day, and I ended up at the end of the day going home from work, and I'm like, I haven't shared my faith with anyone yet today. I'm like, I need to do this. Like, I, I committed to this. It's, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. So I stopped at Cub Foods. Because at Cub Foods, there are people that need Jesus, okay? So I stopped, and there was a guy taking a break to smoke in, in the back. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to this guy. And it was the most awkward, intimidating conversation I've ever had in my entire life. Absolutely failed miserably. In fact, the conversation ended with him saying, yeah, Jesus isn't really my thing. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, he is your thing. You just don't know it yet, you know. But I'm like, I'm just going to leave now because this is really uncomfortable. And I failed miserably that day. Um, Wednesday, I had an opportunity to talk um, to a guy who walked in the church and was asking for money. And I, I said, um, well, I can't give you any money, actually, but I can tell you about Jesus. That was a failure as well. <laughs> and, and Thursday, you know, I was meeting up with some friends um, from high school who I hadn't seen in a number of years. And uh, we, we got together, and, and one of my friends had kind of strayed from her faith, and, and I was able to, to, you know, encourage her to get back to church and get reconnected with the family of God. I don't know if she ever did or not. 
Um, I got to Friday, and I was like, now what? <laughs> I'm out of ideas. I'm out of, like, people. Like, I need something. I don't want to go to Cub Foods again. That was embarrassing last time. And I just spent some time in prayer with God. said, okay, God, who do you have for me today? Like, who can I share my faith with? And God put on my heart two people for the next two days that were a part of my life before I was a pastor. You see, one of the hard things about being a pastor is you spend your entire life around Christians, right? And you kind of lose those connections and those relationships that you had before you were in that position. And I remember, like, back to when I was in college and I was working at the shoe store, and every single day I had this opportunity to interact with these people who were far from Christ, who didn't have a relationship with God, who didn't even know what it meant to have a relationship with God. And and God brought up two people that... (laughs) You know, honestly, if I could do it all over again, I would have I would have at least tried a little bit harder to point them to the love of Jesus Christ. And I felt like in that moment, like, oh man, I blew this opportunity. Um, but I was still friends with them on Facebook. That was the only connection I had. I didn't have their phone number. I didn't, and so I I poured out my heart to these two guys on Facebook, and. I, I typed out this whole thing, and I mean, it was paragraphs. I'm telling you, like, like just my story, my heart, like, I even, like, went as far to say, I'm sorry I didn't share this with you in person, but this is something that's so important to me that I, I just can't let another day go by without sharing the love of Jesus with you. And um, I remember, like, typing that whole thing out, and I almost chickened out. I mean, like, I was getting ready to click send, and I'm like, ah, I'm not ready for this yet. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this was intimidating. This was scary. And I said, no, I committed to this. I'm going to do it. And I pressed send uh, to those two guys. I did one on Friday, one on Saturday. One of them responded back. The other one never did. And still, neither one of them have given their hearts to the Lord, but one of them just said, you know, thank you for, for sharing that with me. You know, there's opportunities that we have in life. But if we don't seize those opportunities, if we don't take that step that's going to challenge us and push our faith, we're missing out on what God has planned for us. I realized through this that, one, I'd become too isolated in my little Christian bubble. And two, there were relationships that existed in my life that I still had influence in if I was willing to take that step of faith. You know, this isn't just a problem for pastors, though. I think it's something that can happen naturally to all Christians. We isolate ourselves in our little Christian communities, in our relationships with people, and um, even more specifically than that, people that think exactly the same way that we do. And it creates this, this um, isolation from the rest of the world. And we're here to be part of this world, to be in this world, not of this world, but impacting this world. And if we don't have that, if we don't have more than just those relationships in our own little community of Christian believers, then we're never going to reach anyone 
for Christ. We're never going to accomplish the mission that God has given to us. And so I made it a, a purpose in my life to be intentional about connecting with people outside of my own little circle. To, um, Sunday nights, I generally go play basketball with a group of guys. Um, and for a while, I was successful in keeping it a secret that I'm a pastor because, you know, when, when they find out that you're a pastor, they kind of act weird around you sometimes. Um, the first thing that the people would say to me when they found out is, oh, that's why you don't cuss. Or like, oh, I'm sorry for cussing. Like, that's the one thing that I care about, right? Um, and, I, you know, but it's an opportunity for me to be around some people that, that maybe don't have faith in Christ yet. And it's an opportunity for me to share the love of God with, with those people. And I've had the opportunity to pray with some of those guys, and, and it's been a great experience. Um, I referee basketball and soccer, and um, through that experience, I've connected with a bunch of guys and, and had the opportunity to share my faith with some of them. And, and you know, I'm very intentional about getting outside of that bubble because I believe in the mission that God has, has given to me as, as a believer in this world, not just a pastor. And, and this morning, I want to share um, from Scripture how Jesus did that too and how I believe that, that it's something that we should pursue as Christians. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 5. And I think a pretty good way to answer most questions about um, faith and, and how we should live our life is, is look at what Jesus did and follow that example, right? I mean, we even had the bracelets for a while. What would Jesus do? You remember those? Um, that's because that's a good idea to think that way. Um, Jesus went and found 12 guys that were part of his small group. He spent a lot of time with them. But he didn't just go around Jerusalem searching for the best coffee shops with his disciples. That might have, you know, been fun or exciting, but it really wouldn't have accomplished much. He spent time with them, teaching them how to reach people with the gospel message. He spent time with them, showing them how to do ministry. And this is a perfect example in Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read through this passage. And we're going to move quick, um, so just stay with me. Um, you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible this morning. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gennesaret. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. And he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. Whoa, okay. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. This is what Jesus was saying to the man. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? Now he's talking to the demon here. And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us into the pigs to enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, and rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned them in the sea. 
And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city, in the country, and the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but that wouldn't be my response if the crazy guy started acting normal. Um, that, I'd be excited about that. But they were so freaked out by that because this guy was so nuts. They are like, what on earth happened to him? And, um, and those who had seen it described to them what had happened in the demon-possessed man to, and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So here Jesus comes, he ministers, he sets somebody free from demon possession. Um, He's in his right mind, he's clothed. Everybody's like, what in the world is going on? They're all freaked out and they ask him to leave. Sounds like a pretty unsuccessful ministry trip. I think Jesus bombed more than I did at Cub, okay? And he was getting back into the boat and the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And get this, he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You see, in that moment, it may have seemed like what Jesus was trying to do and was trying to accomplish had failed miserably. But ultimately, Jesus setting this man free had put in place a witness to the goodness of God. We don't know what's going to happen when we're obedient to the call of God in our life. We might feel like an absolute failure. I don't know what happened with that guy at Cub, but I was obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I shared the message of hope with him. And whether he chose to receive it or not was not up to me. I'm not the one responsible for the harvest. I'm just a messenger of God's grace. And if we're willing to be used and we're willing to to go through failure, we're willing to go through hardship, I believe that God can take our weakness and turn it into something beautiful. It says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This morning, I want to just give you four quick things that we can do to be intentional about our relationships with others. And to be intentional about fulfilling the mission that God has given to us. The first one is to know your neighbor. And I shared a little bit about this in my own life. Um, By nature, we're self-absorbed, right? It's easy to become consumed with ourselves, with thinking about how situations will affect us, with what friends we choose, with what relationships we invest time in, and how they benefit us and what they can offer us. But what if we decided to view our relationships through the lens of ministry and mission and look at the people that we interact with on a regular basis and say, okay, God, how can I make an impact in your kingdom today with the relationships that I have? Right? Knowing our neighbors is important because when it comes to sharing the gospel, understanding their cultural context allows us to establish a common ground so that the gospel can be shared clearly. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I become weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. That only happens if we understand the context in which they're living. And that only happens by investing relationship um, with, with, with other people, by spending time with other people. 
And if we don't do that intentionally, we'll just isolate ourselves into a community of people that think exactly like we do. But if we're intentional about seeing the world around us and asking questions and and finding out about them, it'll open doors for us to share the gospel. Number two, live an intentional life. Live an intentional life. When we identify that God is at work around us, then the next step is to take action and invest in those in whom God has led you to. God has put people in your life that nobody else in this room has access to, that nobody else has relationship with. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a uh, relative, somebody that, that you have influence in their life. And God has put you in their life for a purpose. And it's time to start seeing that purpose. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Paul gave the exact model of how we should approach sharing the gospel with someone else. Not only to share the message of the gospel with somebody, but to share yourself with them. Time is currency. And when we're willing to invest our heart and our time in people's lives, we have an open opportunity to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And it's not something that's disingenuous. We're not just friending them so that we can chalk up another conversion for Jesus. Right? If we really care about people, shouldn't the most important thing be to Tell them about the greatest gift that's ever been given to us that's available freely for them. Shouldn't that move our hearts? Shouldn't that stir us? Right? It's not about like, you know, a a spiritual tally. It's about giving people hope. And if we truly love people and if we want to value them, that's the greatest thing that we can give them. Number three, it's all about the invite. Jesus was all about the invite. He invited people to eat with him, to surrender to him, to give up their possessions and walk with him, to follow him, to be healed, to rest. I mean, the list goes on and on. Ultimately, Jesus spent three years of ministry inviting people to live life and to, and to experience his life with him. That's, that was his invitation to the disciples, come and follow me. That was his invitation to the rich young ruler, well, sell all your possessions and give everything you have to the poor and then come follow me. And, and it was up to them to receive that invitation, but ultimately, Jesus invites us to experience salvation. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That was his purpose while he was here. So, if that's his purpose, and that's the mission that he's given us, then we should be about inviting people to come with us as well. We should be inviting people into our community. We should be inviting people into our home. We should be inviting people into our church, into our small group. We should be inviting people to come with us and hang out with us and, and do ministry with us. And you know what? If you invite someone to do something with you and they say no, don't be discouraged by that. It's so easy to get, you know, to get on this mindset that, well, they're just going to reject me anyway. Well, maybe they will. But what's the worst thing that could happen? Your feelings might get hurt a little bit. But ultimately, who are they rejecting? If you're inviting them 
to experience life in Christ, they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting him. You know, I, I sometimes get discouraged when people say, well, if you invite people to church, like 80% of them are going to say yes. I guess I must not be very good at it because 80% of the people that I ask don't say yes, okay? But the good news is that sometimes when I ask somebody, they actually do say yes. And sometimes it takes more than, you know, two people. Sometimes I get no and no and no and no over and over and over again. But there's a, there's a statistic that says in sales, about 2% of cold calls lead to a conversion or a, a sale. 2%. So why does anybody do cold calling anymore? I mean, that's, that's terrible, right? Like 2%, that's, that's one out of every 50 people. You got to make 50 phone calls before you finally get a sale. But guess what? If you call 50 people and get one, that's still one sale that you didn't have before. Right? 20% of solid leads work as a conversion in sales and 50% of referrals. So maybe there's like a good lead that you have. Maybe there's somebody that's going through a hard time and they're struggling with something right now. You can look at that as an opportunity and say, listen, I got somebody who can help you through your situation right now. Why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to my small group? Why don't you come over to our house and we'll talk about our faith? Right? And now they're going through something. They're struggling. They're looking for hope. That might be an opportunity. That might be a lead. That might be an open door. They might still say no, but they might say yes. Or maybe it's a referral. Maybe it's a friend. And you have a relationship with them, and you've already invested relational equity into that, that um, communication. And so now you have an opportunity that maybe you didn't have before because you're friends, and, and they might be less likely to say no because they don't want to hurt your feelings, right? Use it. Fine. If it gets them to church, if it gets them to your small group, if it gets them to your house to hear about Jesus Christ, isn't that worth it? Isn't that ultimately what we want for them? So maybe you, sh you should just invite somebody to do something. Maybe take a chance. See what God does. Take a risk. You know, I'll, I'll be completely honest right now. We get uh, these visitor cards that we do, and, and we have visitors almost every single week here at West Point Church. Um, the vast majority of them, like we ask, how did you hear about us? Most of them say the website. Can I be honest? I'm going to be anyway, so I just, just say yes. That'll make me feel better. Yeah. I want to be a part of a church where the website isn't our best inviter. That might seem a little bit challenging. That might seem a little bit harsh, right? Because people Google everything. But you have better access to people than, than our website will ever have. And you have more relationship with people than our website will ever have. Let's use it. Let's reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number four. Be a part of a movement, right? The goal of our church is not just to have awesome worship and, and services on Sunday morning. And I mean, we want to have that, but we don't just want to have great small groups, although that's important to us too. We don't want to have great classes only, um, but we want to reach people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, who don't yet have a relationship with him. 
The goal is a movement of the gospel. Right? We talk about it all the time. Like that's why we do what we do. We want to see more people reached on Sunday morning. We want to see more small groups launched. We want to see more churches planted from this church. We want to send more missionaries all around the world. And we only do that if we all are invested in this movement. We're all excited about what God has in store for us. Spreading, sending, and multiplying movements. That's what the heart of God is. This principle of multiplication is from the heart of God, and it makes an impact on the kingdom of God. Uh, the Acts talks about, we, we've talked about Acts chapter 2. It talks about the early church. It says daily those were added to their number, those who were being saved. That is my heart and my desire. I would love to have a year where one person comes to know Christ every day through the ministry of this church. How incredible would that be? That would be awesome, right? It can happen. It can happen. If it happened for the early church, it can happen for us today because we serve the same God. We have the same spirit inside of us that they did, and we can make the same impact on our world that they did. But this won't happen by itself, right? It's it's not going to just fall into place. Um, There has to be a plan. There has to be a process. So let me give you kind of an idea of how you can make this happen. Like maybe you're here this morning and you're comfortable sharing your faith and, and you're good at doing that. And I know some of you for a fact are, especially in this service. Like I'm looking around right now and I see faces of people that are comfortable and confident in doing that this morning. Go find one of those people. If you need somebody, ask me. I'll, I'll, I'll help you in that. But, but here's a great model that, that you can use as you're showing somebody how to share their faith. Take somebody along with you that's not comfortable yet and say, this time I'll do it and you watch, right? So in this stage, they're being led and discipled. You're, they're watching you and they're seeing how you share their faith, how you share your faith, I should say, okay? Then the next step is you do it and I'll help, right? You share your faith. I'll be right there with you. I'll encourage you. Then the next step is you do it and I watch, Right? I'm just an observer here. You do your thing. And the, the final step is you do it and somebody else watches. See what we did there? We went from one person who was training and discipling to now we have two people training and discipling. And now we're adding another party. Right? That's multiplication. We went from two people impacted to four people impacted. And then those four people could all mentor someone, then we'd have eight people. I mean, it's just multiplying, right? Like, let's do this together. Let's do this. Let's be intentional intentional about it. All right, so this morning, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and, but I want to give you a challenge this morning. I'm going to stretch you a little bit today. Um, I want each one of us to accept this challenge, and if you're brave enough and you're bold enough to do it, and if I have to call you a chicken, I'll call you a chicken, but, but I want you to do it this week. I want you to take a step. Maybe, like, you've heard me give challenges before, and you're like, yeah, that's for somebody else. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to do it. This is for you this morning. Can you just say that? This is for me. This is for me. I, I, I wasn't convinced there. Let's try that again. This is for me. All right, I want to give you a few ideas of a way that you can share your faith with somebody in the next seven days. 
We're going to put these up on the screen. The first one is invite somebody to church. Maybe it's your small group. Maybe it's to a Sunday morning service. Maybe it's to a Bible study. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's uh, inviting their kids. Teenagers, invite a youth group, okay? There's a great opportunity there. This is something that it doesn't put a ton of pressure on you, but it's something that you can do. Maybe it's like I did. Write a Facebook message to someone about your faith, right? You have maybe people in your life that are kind of on the, the periphery, and maybe you don't have close relationship with them, but your Facebook friends, why not use that as a tool to reach out to them and show God's love to them? Maybe you're a little bit bolder and you can invite somebody out for coffee and share your faith story with them. Or maybe you can pray for somebody for healing. Now, what I don't want you to do today is say, I'm going to pray for somebody for healing, but you don't have anybody in mind that you know that needs a healing. And you're like, okay, God, unless you put somebody in my life, I'm not going to do this. If you're going to choose that one, you better have somebody in mind that you're going to reach out to, that you're going to pray for, that you're going to call them up sometime this week. Or maybe something not on this list, but what I'd encourage you to do is pick something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Right? If you're comfortable with all of these, then you need a bigger challenge. Maybe it's seven days. But let's do this together. And what I think would be awesome is if you not only accepted one of these challenges, but you did it with somebody else for accountability and and to show them how to do it. So here's how I want you to respond today, because I know it'll be easy to walk out this door and say, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then by the time you get in your car and start your car, you've completely forgotten about the challenge that was put before you today. So we're going to show you on this next slide a simple way that you can respond. All you have to do is if you have a cell phone today, text, I accept, all one word, and autocorrect is going to try to mess you up. Don't let it. Autocorrect is from the devil, and we're rebuking it right now in the name of Jesus. But to that number, 555-888, I accept 555-888. And if you do that this morning you're going to get a a reply that says, thanks for accepting the challenge, that type of thing. It's going to come right away. But each day this week, we're going to send you a text message reminding you of what you've been challenged to do. And I hope that that will be enough to spark something inside your heart to say, I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to do it this week. And in two weeks... In two weeks, we're going to share some of the stories that you are going to share with us for what God did as you did it. Now, if you're not going to do it, you're going to make me look stupid. Don't make your pastor look stupid, okay? If I have to guilt you that way, I'll do it. But let's see what God does. If if you respond to the challenge, I believe that God's going to do something incredible as you take that step of faith. Now, I'll be honest right now, I don't see enough cell phones out texting this number. I want you to do this right now before you forget. Take that leap of faith. Jump off the edge. Like, this is an opportunity for you to see God do something incredible in your life. If you see the person next to you and they don't have their phone out, just nudge them a little bit. Peer pressure. We'll use whatever we have to use to see God do something incredible in your life. And then we're going to celebrate together the stories of God's faithfulness as you're obedient to him. 
And maybe your story is, hey, I invited someone to church and they said no, but at least you did it. Right? And we're going to celebrate that in the same way. Because it's not about the result. It's about the faithfulness of God's people being obedient to what he's called them to do. Now we're going to spend the next couple minutes as the worship team leads us in a song in prayer for the people that God is placing on your heart right now. Maybe he's given you an idea right now that you know the person you're going to call, you know the person you're going to have coffee with, the person you're going to send a Facebook message to. We're going to spend the next five minutes in prayer for those people as we worship the Lord and consecrate this time to God. And we're going to see God move in a big way. Are you ready? Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm not convinced you are yet, but I believe that God's going to get you there. Maybe you're nervous right now, but we're ready to see what God does. All right? So can we stand in this place and worship the Lord and, and spend some time praying for those people this morning? Also, as you leave this morning... We have these wristbands that say Rethink Church, and this will be a great reminder, too. You can take one of these. We'll have them available for you as you leave this morning.